0: Welcome in to Locked on Knicks and the Knicks, they lost again. Let me tell you, let me ask you if you heard this one before. They lost 90 to 87 to the Toronto Raptors after a pitiful start to the game. And Gavin, they managed to to claw back a bit. But uh, I have sort of a big picture thing to get into. And and what else are we going to talk about in this episode?
1: We're going to get into what was, I thought, a really good game from RJ Barrett. Some fantastic moments interspersed with some really bad ones for Julius Randle. Emmanuel quickly continuing to struggle. And to your point, some big picture stuff on the Knicks, where they are now, where they're going, what this game means. So all that and more right now on Locked on Knicks.
0: You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starks without a five. Ewing from the rim, yes! Hops left, and now fires it. He's good, and he's fouled! and he's out! Anthony for three. that one goes down! back up,
1: off the glass, it's good! Oh, Jeff Byers!
0: Becomes infectious. Welcome in to Locked on Knicks. This episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions you don't want or need and can even negotiate better deals on those you want to keep. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Site The Strickland, which you can find at the Strick.land. And he is Gavin Shaw, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And we are going to talk about the Raptors beating the Knicks 90-87. to I can't wait. You know what, Gavin, let's get this out of the way real quick. Let's each pay the Raptors a compliment so that we don't get trolled (laughs) on in our comments on YouTube again. So I will say the Raptors play really hard, and I like this team a lot, and they have a bright future because Scotty Barnes is really good, and I, I was impressed with how they played in this game. What about you, Gavin? What do you think about the Toronto Raptors?
1: And I think Fred Van Vliet is handsome and not enough people talk about it.
0: (laughs) All right, there it is. So Raptors fans, you know, eat your heart out. Um, (laughs) Now we're going to talk about the team that we're paid to talk about. Uh, Anyway, uh, so I wanted to lead off Gavin actually with a with sort of a big picture observation that I had from this game. I think this was the first game that Tibbs really fully, truly, unequivocally embraced going small for once and you know it, we saw extended ob top in minutes for like the first time all season he scored his first double double of his career 19 points 10 rebounds 6 of 14 shooting one of five from three you maybe want that to be slightly better but six of six from the free throw line I mean as usual he was just the spark plug for the team they made a huge run when he came in in the I think he came in towards the end of the first quarter uh early second quarter you know they make a big run they they turn what was a a 10 or a, sorry a 20 point deficit in the first quarter into you know a tie game then they end up taking the lead at one point ultimately end up losing to the raptors in this game and obviously nobody's offense was working that well when you have a 90 to 87 final score but i thought the team functioned best with ob out there i'm going to throw this right to you my big picture thought here is that I think instead of this identity that the Knicks have established or the Tibbs desperately wants to establish again of we're a team that always plays with a traditional big, a uh, rim protector. You know, if it's not Mitch, it's Noel. If it's not Noel, it's Taj. You know, if it's not Taj, it's Mitch. You know, he's got these three guys that, you know, they sort of built this identity on. And yet we're seeing New Noel clearly still hurt and honestly should be sitting right now. I don't know why he's not with Taj healthy. Like if you need someone to pull a token start for 13 minutes, why not just use Taj? Um, Mitch clearly still is working through whatever with getting in shape or, or that sort of thing. And, you know, Taj is fine, but you know, ultimately it's not a guy that you want to have to rely on at this stage because he's, you know, like 37 years old or whatever. Um, my general thought is that I think the time has finally come this team always plays better no matter what personnel they're playing against. When Tibbs decides to try going small, they always play better when it's Obi and Randall out there. I think we've kind of reached the point where I think they need to just start Obi at this point. If you want to try something new, try that because the rebounding is always trash. The defense has consistently been trash, but you can fix the offense so much better if you have someone like Obi out there. And so, why not just try to embrace that? The defense, I think, kind of looks better when they're all swarming around like that. And then, you know, instead of going after a big, a big, you know, addition like a Miles Turner, go after someone smaller that's more around the margins. Make your Derrick Rose type move again, rather than trying to make a somewhat more splashy one where you're giving up potentially. I mean, for Turner, we haven't talked to the Pacers person yet, but, you know, it's probably going to cost like, I would imagine at least a first round pick, probably like both those surplus picks that the Knicks have the Charlotte pick and the, um, the Dallas pick, you know, over these next two years. Plus you're probably talking about, I don't know, like one of their young players that is of some renown, plus like probably Noel to, to make the salaries work. Instead of doing that, go after like, I mean, I, I said before the show, I'm almost like a meme with my love for this guy at this point, at least for people that have been listening to the show for a while. But like, Go after Brandon Clark, who's not getting a ton of minutes in, you know, uh Memphis right now. Go after Thaddeus Young, who's on the Spurs, who aren't really going anywhere, you know, and Thaddeus Young has been a really good small ball four or five player for his whole career. Find a player like that around the league and go after them and don't give up a huge price rather than you know doing what what the the rumors would suggest and going after just another traditional big in Turner, who, yes, can shoot the three, but still plays into that traditional defensive scheme that just isn't working this year. But what do you think about that? Because I, I don't know. I feel like this, maybe I'm leaning too hard. Maybe I'm getting too, like, caught up in the moment. But this just feels like the right thing to do to me at this point. I, I just can't believe that the Knicks aren't leaning more into playing small at this point.
1: No, I think it's good timing because my, my hot take, uh, this was, this was pregame yesterday. I was just sitting around thinking about this because I don't have anything better to do. I was like, I wonder if the Knicks just like, unbenched Kemba Walker and just played him uh, either Fournier or, or probably Burks would be the better option at this point. Uh, RJ Randall and Obi together and said, you know what? We, we don't care about defense. We're just going to try and score 130 points per game. At least this Knicks season would become fun, right? Like they might not be significantly better, but the current iteration of this product is pretty horrific. Like we all saw the Knicks go down 30 to 10 in this game. The, the comeback was, was nice. They had good moments, but it's all like they're fighting through the muck right now. And the thing is, since they've benched Kemba Walker, their defense has actually been worse. So that ha- has not been the, the cure-all that we all thought it would be. And it's because, I mean, uh, some of the same people who've been like a culprit all year, like Julius Randle, Evan Fournier, co- like collectively, just a lack of communication and consistently, like, like this is something like, um, I, like a, a basketball breakdown video I was watching pointed out. And then I was really looking for it in this game, like just over helping is just the, like perennial ill, of this team over and over again. You see like one guy slightly over help and then a second player slightly overhelps, and it creates this cascading effect where you have these little cracks forming over and over and over again until the dam breaks. And, and inevitably like whether it's the Raptors or the Pacers or whoever the Knicks are playing, someone gets an open three ball. And to your point on miles Turner, I, I look at it like both ways, like, I think he's an obvious upgrade defensively over over this version of Mitch and uh, a hundred times over uh, on Nerland's, um, who, who has just been awful. Um, and, and he can and he can hit shots on the other end, and that that that's a really big deal. And I think the the one downside of Obi and Randall together is that Obi right now, out, out, excusing the one corner three he made, cannot hit shots like he's he's basically a twenty percent three-point shooter and if you're looking at like a mitigating factor that eventually like his teams sort of catch up with those lineups could slow them down a little bit it's that teams are just going to double randall and they're going to dare ob to beat them from three but ob is is a smart enough player, I think, to overcome that. Like, it's almost similar to, like, he's his own version of Draymond Green, obviously not defensively, but offensively, where if you give him that much space, he can weaponize it by cutting to the rim or, or setting an off-ball screen for Emmanuel quickly, who all of a sudden, like, when you're not guarding Obi, that becomes a wide-open shot. So I think the lineup works. Those two, I mean, we can get into it more in the second segment. They continue to show off great chemistry together. Like, they have this fantastic little, like, give-and-go toss back for a Randall three. I, I just think the, the argument for it is that it has worked so far coming into this game. There are plus nine per 100 possessions with Obi and Randall on the court together, and that it's just a lot more fun than what the Knicks are currently doing. So I'm not inherently opposed to Miles Turner because I think he is a better iteration of what they've had. But if you want to argue that things are fundamentally broken and that a rim protecting center won't fix the fact that the rest of the guys just cannot guard, um, I would agree with that. So I think think I'm ultimately with you.
0: Yeah, you know, it's not to say that I think that the team can't benefit
1: from a rim protector at times,
0: because we've even seen it work with Mitch, you know, like j- literally just the other day. I and mean, it would be, <laughs> there was, you know, we had a game, what, four days ago where Mitch, uh, you know, in that Spurs game was really good and, and you know, put together a, a great effort off the bench there. And, you know, so it's not to say that the Knicks never benefit from having that sort of player, but...
1: Well, Alex, it's the shots that don't get taken, right? And that, that's kind yeah. of what's hard to measure. It's like not even the shots that Mitch blocks. It's like what shots will never get attempted because he's in the game. And that, that's kind of hard to know.
0: Yeah, that's true too. You know, and, and the same could apply for for Turner. Um, I don't think it does too much to help the perimeter defense problems that the Knicks are having because I don't think the Turner can really do that. And the Knicks, I just don't think have been doing a good enough job funneling things in, you know, like they like they did last year. And I think that has to do, I mean... I, You know, I, we keep saying like, I really, I, I truly struggle to give any credit to Alpha Payton for this. And I don't mean to keep like crapping on him, but his perimeter defense was horrendous last year, yeah. but like Reggie Block did do a really good job of executing the scheme perfectly of funneling guys in and making sure that, you know, even if he was kind of giving them a lane a little bit, he was at least controlling it enough to, to let them kind of get funneled right to Noel or to Mitch or whoever happened to be there. Um, and I think that was kind of the key to the Knicks defense last year. I mean, maybe that's another guy you look at as a as a potential buy low, easy to get kind of guy, uh, you know, talk to the Mavs and see if they'd be willing to send you Reggie Bullock back because he's been struggling for them this year.
1: Let's, let's get Frank too, just for the fun of it. Get yeah, Frank right. Back, yeah. Just
0: get Frank as the throw into it. No, I don't want to doom Frank to having to sit on the bench again. And <laughs> he'd lifetime. be so mad. <laughs> yeah, he'd be like, ah, oh, Sacre <laughs> bleu, I just escaped. Um, but I don't know. Um, You know what? Let's take our first break real quick though. Then we can continue this discussion. I just want to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam out to get you. Don't let greedy corporations pocket your money. Download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions. You don't need want, or simply forgot about on average, people save up to $720 a year with Truebill. Because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. And your Truebill concierge is there when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions. So you don't have to. I mean, look, I've used I've used Truebill and let, dropped it. I won't name them. I won't name and shame, but you know, I had a couple of those uh video subscription services that I was using that you know, there's only so many you can watch. There's only so many things you can watch. And it's maybe a little more beneficial sometimes to just sign up for it for a month, you know, to watch what you got to watch and then just cancel it and go on with your life. Uh, and Truebill's helped me sort through those things in my life for sure. And it's not just me. Truebill has over 2 million users and helps save them over $100 million total. Don't fall for subscription scams anymore. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash NBA. Go right now, Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands a year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. All right, and that's it for the commercial break. Did just want to thank you guys, as always, for making us your first listen every day. We are available on every platform that you can get podcasts on, so you can find us that way. Or check us out on YouTube and uh, help fight the Raptors fans today once they sniff out this video. Cause it's that's the one fan base we had a a heck of a time with our first uh, Raptors video that we put out on YouTube. So you know, help us fight the good fight here, uh, or I'm sure Raptors fans are gonna come in and be like, "No, we're here and we're <laughs> super annoying, eh?" And we're not even we're not even that nice, eh? You know, you really thought the Raptors fans were gonna be nice to you, but you're wrong, eh? I mean, it's just different in Toronto. I don't know.
1: Yeah. Anyway, so good,
0: uh, <laughs> Canada slander over. Gavin, where do you want to take this
1: discussion? <laughs> Oh wow. <laughs> I don't know. I was I was too mesmerized by your rant to even even think about the game. Um but yeah, we can uh I mean we can we can go to the end of the game, right? Because it was it was a big comeback for the Knicks. I mentioned uh they were the Raptors had it was pretty ugly. It was about a 19 to 2 run in the first quarter and it it was exactly a 19 to 2 run and it took just about 4 minutes the Knicks were were playing it, it just felt like you, you, you had transported the team like, like the second the Pacers game had ended, every Knicks player was put in stasis and then they were just like let out to start the beginning of the first quarter. And it was as if like nothing had changed. and They didn't get any rest or anything. Um, and they were ultimately down 30 to 10. They shot four for 19. They had a possession where, and this was, I mean, this was sort of a summation of, of, of the game and like a lot of the next problems this year where they played really good defense, but they gave up three straight offensive rebounds in that first quarter. Um, and then they come all the way back. It was a 29 to nine run. Again, it, it, it was keyed by mostly by Obi top coming into the game and providing a whole lot of energy. Julius Randall, I thought until the closing minutes of the first quarter or until excuse me, the closing minutes of the second quarter, was absolutely fantastic, but then he started making some mistakes. The Raptors took advantage, got out in transition, had a halftime lead. Knicks play a a pretty mixed second half, sort of stay in it, stay in it, keep fighting. Big plays by RJ, a couple nice passes from Burks, big shot from Rose, go up 87 to 86. And then, of course, that that faithful uh, possession with about a minute 10 left in the game where the Knicks, again, play good defense, but I thought this was an issue all night where Um, Tibbs and, and look like you can't really like blame the defense in this one, right? They only give up 90 points in this game, but they were, they were switching a whole lot and and sort of daring Toronto to win one-on-one. And on that final possession, the Knicks did a great job ensuring that that didn't happen. But when you have all those switches, all of a sudden you have Derek Rose boxing out Pascal Siakam, the Raptors get multiple offensive rebound, ultimately ends up with Gary Trent. He nails the three and, and then the Knicks, uh, cannot, Win the game despite a couple of good opportunities. Final possession, RJ Barrett gets all the way to the rim. Probably had a chance to go up for a righty layup against Scotty Barnes. I didn't mind the kick out, but that's not a shot given like what we've seen from RJ around the rim recently. I necessarily had a ton of confidence in him making. He probably should have taken it, but instead throws it out to Randall. Randall in and out on a three, and the Knicks ultimately fall.
0: Yeah, I, I saw a lot of mixed reactions to that final that final attempt there, and I mean, I didn't I didn't hate that. To be honest, I, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, RJ should have just gone up with it. And like, that's a low percentage shot, particularly in that game where it just seemed like nothing, you know, nothing that was difficult was going in. Like the Knicks, to their credit, did a pretty good job of contesting around the rim. And that led to a lot of Raptors misses there. You know, the Raptors are doing a good job contesting the Knicks around the rim. We've seen the struggles that RJ has had when he kind of drives into the trees, you know, and, and attempts to finish in traffic this year. Um, I think he got stuffed at least once in this game. It seems like he does pretty much every single game. Um, cause he just doesn't, eh, you know, it is how he, it's just how he plays. He doesn't play with a ton of verticality. So, you know, I think at this point, um, we can, we can pretty safely say that that was a good decision by RJ. You know, he did sort of have a step, but he also was driving into like two defenders and he looked back and saw Julius wide open for three. At that point, that would have been a game winner, you know. So that's great. And then I I did kind of like that Tibbs drew up that the the final final play for him, although I didn't love the execution because I just didn't. It just seemed weird, you know. You got it to RJ right next to the right next to the sideline, right near the inbound. So it was a quick pass, but he basically had to turn and shoot with half a second to go. I don't think he got it off clean, although it didn't matter because it didn't go in. But you know, it was it was a little weird on on execution down the stretch and i think the main my main takeaway you know i thought rj did play a good game in this despite the shooting percentages not being great i think he does get a little nervous playing at home uh like his home i should say not you know home for the knicks but going back to canada and playing in toronto and everything um i think that's you know over the first few years of his career those games have proved to be a little little nerve-wracking for him and i don't blame him i mean you know it's it's hard for any young player when you're going to like your hometown, playing in front of your family and friends and whatever. I'm sure he had plenty of people in attendance there for him. Um, But like, you know, I I think that my big takeaway on a, on the whole with this game is that I didn't love how Tibbs coached it. You know, I just, I think Tibbs, I think Tibbs needs to be put a little more under the microscope lately. Like I think he was doing some okay stuff, you know, earlier in the season. I, I do give him credit for, Having, you know, the wherewithal to pull the plug on the Kemba experiment early, um, or at least somewhat early, you know, 20 games in. But certain decisions in this game just didn't really stick right with me. Like, you've got Fournier out there closing the game despite the fact that he wasn't very good. Um, you know, you don't have Quickly out there who, despite not shooting the best, was doing a pretty good job, like as usual, of moving the ball around and, and keeping things going. You don't put uh, Obi Toppin out there to close the game, which I understand he was kind of gassed, but I think it definitely would have been beneficial to give him a quick rest and then have gotten him back in to close the game. And instead, Tibbs opts not to do that. It's just there, there was a lot of questionable decisions to me uh, down the stretch of this game. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say that that cost the Knicks the game. Because, or, for example, also you have Alec Burks out there, too, 7 shooting in this game. I mean you could have put quickly in for him pretty easily. But, you know, I I don't want to say that that costs the Knicks the game because I think that the start costs the Knicks the game. Because anytime you go go down 20 and have to claw your way back, it makes it that much harder to make that final push to get over the hump. But, you know, I I do think that Tibbs needs to start doing a better job with coaching these games and understanding game flow and stuff like that. And we ran into some of those problems last year. And what's unfortunate is that it just kind of seems like he didn't learn from any of the mistakes from last year. Because, you know, last year, the big thing that we would always, you know, harp about would be like, why is Alfred Payton closing the game or whatever? Like, he has not been good. You know, what is, what is Tibbs see here? Now this year, it's just kind of whoever he happens to have out there from the starting lineup or what have you, you're just kind of like, why? Like, why are you closing with this guy? Like he, you know, he hasn't had a good game. So just go with the hot hand. You know, Tibbs always talks about trying to find the right mix or whatever, and then Sometimes, like in this game with the OB Randall, you know, uh, front court and and all that stuff, it seems like you find the right mix. And then you're just, you know, he just kind of pulls the plug on it late. And in, in the name of not running guys ragged, but it's like, you know, you, you know, you're you're not required by contract to play guys in five minute stints. Right. And he just doesn't seem to get that. You know, it seems like he he thinks that every player, if they touch the floor, has to be out there for at least five minutes. And you can't possibly just have someone out there for two minutes as a stopgap to get someone a rest and then put the starter or the, the guy that you want to close back in. It's just, I don't know. It's starting to boggle my mind a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um, I, it's, it, it's confusing to me too. And I think he has preconceived notions of what will work best against a team. And I think it's, it's very, very difficult for him to, to come off of those uh, Alex. I want to, I want to continue going um in on specific guys because i have a lot of thoughts on this i mean we we it's we're bearing the lead right ob top and career high uh but first i want to quickly tell everyone about uh two of our all-time favorite sponsors and i i misread the order so i'm going to throw it to you first alex let, let, let's talk some built bar
0: all right well uh first i'm going to let everybody know that today's episode is brought to you by built bar this holiday season grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Or even better than a candy bar, built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but also amazingly low in calories, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds. It's delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors. You'll have a hard time choosing. Do you want raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream, or peanut butter brownie? Uh, You know I'm team cookies and cream all the way there. Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in endless shopping lines, Bilt Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw it in your jacket or purse. You never know when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't bring up your favorite Bilt Bar at family parties. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight for it and things could get out of hand. You don't want to you know, upset Aunt Betty one who hadn't tried a built bar before Thanksgiving that you hooked on built bars over Thanksgiving. Are you friends with Santa? Well, tell Santa to throw a few built bars in those stockings with so many flavors. They'd make anyone's Christmas morning a happy one. Want to cozy up with something warm. Here's a holiday secret. Dip your built bar into a piping hot cup of piping hot cup of cocoa. Let it melt a little and give your beverage a bit of that built bar flavor. Plus you'll have a nice melty built bar to go with it. Be sure to have a couple of napkins on hand. So, if you want to get some built bars for yourself, go to built.com and use promo code locked15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com.
1: And Bet Online has you covered all season, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all the sports action this year. So head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKEDON to receive your bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online, where the game starts. So we are back on locked on Knicks. We appreciate you making us your first listen today and every day, please continue to do so. Please subscribe on YouTube because that is the number one thing you can do to help us out. If you enjoy the podcast, uh, OB Toppin, um, he was the number one thing that made this game watchable for me. 24 minutes, 19 points, 10 boards, insane efficiency. Could have been even better when just one for five from three-point range. But, but this was this was sort of the OB game that was promised, right? His activity um, basically saved the Knicks when, when they came out of this game uh, me- medically dead, I would say. Uh, my, my favorite play of the game from him might have been the very first one that he had where he, he just like the only word to describe him and, and it stands out so much because this might not be true for anyone else on the team right now is he's decisive. Right. And, and this is something he's developed since last season. And I think he came to the realization saying like, Hey, if I'm not going to be a great shooter, if I'm not going to have a great handle, if I'm not going to have much of a mid range game, the, the advantage I have is that I think quicker and I am quicker than basically everyone else, my size on the court and and first play of the game catches the ball um, immediate attack. Um, swooping layup around Scotty Barnes. And, and like Scotty Barnes is a is a pretty great athlete in his own right. And OB made him look like a middle schooler on this, like where he just kind of went up and, and around him, and Barnes was like, What the hell? Uh missed it, put back dunk instantaneously again. It's it's that second jump ability from OB Top. And, and then I, I hinted at this play earlier, but the little give and go with Randall, I, I think you you see these flashes every single game that they get more than three minutes together on the court. Like the two-man game between those two is so good. And it, it confounds opposing pigs because both of them can can move like guards. Um like Randall um kicked it to Obi in the corner. Obi drives the closeout, just jump pass right back to Randall corner three. And and I just I don't think there's much that opposing bigs can do about it. I would love to see like some Randall Obi like big to big pick and rolls potentially if they got more time together. And I think those could be Pretty deadly given Obi's quickness and, and just the fact that like Randall, like we, we saw in this game, he, he's he's a deadly roller when it, when a center is out of the game and Obi's such a good passer. There's a lot of different like interesting wrinkles to those two that we have yet to be explored. Um, and then Obi just like like I talk I'm talking about him on the ball, but just as an outlet, he's such a weapon. Um, like Randall had like a really nice move to draw a double team. And then Alec Burks, um, who I thought was was played a very smart game, even though he barely scored in this one, um, cut off it to to give Randall an outlet. Defender has to step up. Burks extra pass to Obi. Obi flushes it. And, and that's another one of those plays where um, you, you just you just see what Obi Toppin brings to the table, right? Like in the dunker spot, and right now Nerlens and Mitch like rarely like if they're wide open, of course they're going to be able to finish it. But a lot of times you see that they don't quite have the athleticism to to do so. Uh, final play I'll highlight um, Raptors are in a zone, and I think the, I'll give Tibbs credit. I think this is something he drew up before the game, anticipating that the Raptors might try to go zone against the Knicks down the stretch. IQ has the ball. Uh, I think it was left wing. Randall drifts over, sets a back screen on Svima Kylouk. IQ, sky high alley-oop. Obi runs it down and dunks it. So picture perfect Obi topping game. A whole lot of fun. Made this one watchable when otherwise it would have just been terrible.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the big thing with Obi too is, you know, we talk about process all the time. And the thing that I've noticed about Obi at this point is that the process is just always perfect. Like there's... Very few times on on this team where guys seem to get lost so often this year, at least, you know, last year was obviously a lot better. I, I felt like guys consistently knew at the very least where they had to be last year. This year, it seems like so often guys are just kind of all over the place as far as knowing where they're supposed to be. And yet OB always seems to know where he's supposed to be and is always making the right play. As you said, he's so cerebral. He's always making the right cut, you know, whatever. I mean, first thing when he comes into this game, and I mean, I'm sure the scouting report is out there on him at this point. You know, it's he's mostly a cutter right now. You know, he's not a dangerous three-point shooter. Now, granted, he found himself in the corner quite a bit, and he did take some threes. He made one, had a really horrendous air ball on another one. Um, I I was just re-watching his, uh, his, uh, his shot attempts as you were talking there, and like, i almost forgotten just how bad that one air ball was where it literally it forced a shot clock violation because if he could have just grazed Rim, the Knicks could have had another 14 seconds. Um, but you know, that's still a work in progress for him. But the the process is good, which again is what what is the encouraging thing with him is that you're not you're not like, oh, he's forcing up a stupid three and airballing it. You know, it's like Oh, he put up a three, but it was a good look, you know, so he, yeah, he airballed it, but it was a good look. And, you know, that's kind of just how everything goes with him. He's, he came in this game and, you know, first few attempts, as you said, first one drive into the hoop, you know, and goes up for a a really cool scoop layup, misses it, immediately follows it with a dunk, you know, with a quick follow-up. That's like elite athleticism stuff that only he can do really. Maybe Mitch could have done it in the past, but not really anymore uh, at this at this particular juncture. But so he does that to open the game. Then quick alley oop in transition, where he just kind of slips himself behind the defense and and catches a nice alley there. Then you know another play, he's spacing the floor out to the corner, sees a quick opening, makes a really decisive quick cut to get inside and gets found by I think it was Burks on that play for a quick baseline dunk. Um, you know, on another play later, he just crashes the glass. At, with perfect timing and gets a one-handed put back dunk. I mean, it's just he does all these little things that pretty much nobody else on the team is doing right now. And he's also, you know, again, with with Mitch and Noel's struggles right now with, you know, with Mitch with, you know, finding his athleticism again after putting on too much weight in the offseason. And with Noel obviously being hobbled by that bum knee, Obi's like the only player on the Knicks right now that lives above the rim. And it shows because it seems like opposing teams game plan for a groundbound basically team full of old men, you know, <laughs> like even though the Knicks aren't particularly old, they they a lot of them play older than they are. Like R.J. Barrett and Manuel Quickly don't have a lot of explosiveness. You know, they play with more like guile and precision. Obi's like the one game buster that busts out those those highlight plays and those above the rim plays you know, plays that are pretty much undefendable by and large. And he's the only guy on the Knicks that can do that sort of stuff. And I think that's part of what's made him such a a game-busting talent for the Knicks at the moment. Yeah,
1: he's he's unique. I mean, again, it's I think it I think it's that decisiveness more than anything else. Like he plays with the verb and an energy that you see from quickly and, and quickly loses a little bit when a shot isn't falling, which we, we can talk about if we want to. it is 23% for the month from three, not great. Um, but he's he is unique on this team. Uh let's let's talk about Julius Randle because I thought an, an interesting game from him. Um, I thought by and large he was really, really good. I'm, I'm gonna quickly focus in on the bad before we get into the good. I, I thought if It would be strong to say that he lost the game for the Knicks. Um, at the end of this first half, but it's it's these bad sequences in the middle of games that I think we don't always think of. Like at the end when we look and we see the Knicks lost by five and we're like, well, they didn't execute in the fourth quarter. But sometimes you could, I mean, the points in the second quarter count the same, right? You, you can look back and say, well, th- this really killed them. And, and the Knicks go on a big run and there's always a tendency to let down after a big run. But Randall, back to back, really bad turnovers. And, and then this was like pretty inexcusable. I think I, I saw Schwin point this out on Twitter too. Five seconds left in the half. Uh, wide open three, misses it and just sort of stands there to admire his shot. And and when he when he should have, like the second he took it, realized the trajectory was a little bit off, um, probably should have started sprinting back because Pascal Siakam beat everyone down the floor, got a dunk before halftime. Gave the Raptors a little bit of momentum when they didn't have any going into the break, and the Knicks should have been feeling really good about themselves into halftime. And it's just, it's those little plays, right? And like with Randall, like, I just, if, if he was anyone else, I got to imagine Tibbs would, would maybe even sit him for a game because it's just, it's, it's so frustrating at this point to see that still be an issue. But the reason you don't sit Julius Randle for a game is because he is still the hub of this offense. And, and I saw like a lot of people on like social media saying, like, all right, it's, it's obvious, like, Obi Toppin's a better player at this point, like, he brings more energy, like, he is the guy, like, that needs to be like playing, if not the majority of the minutes, like basically splitting minutes with Julius Randle. And I I still think that is, that is ignoring a lot of the positive stuff that Randle does. And the fact that as ugly as this offense is at times, uh, it would be so much worse without Randle in there because at this point, like, I mean, given that Fournier is like pretty much like useless in terms of like generating his own stuff, And that RJ's very hit or miss, and like IQ's not himself right now. Like, Randall has so much responsibility on his shoulders. And I think by and large, he's doing a very good job of this. Like, this was another game where where he was drawing double team after double team and and was was just making the right play time after time. And and he got screwed over a bunch. Like he he should have had 10 assists in this game, but had that play in the first quarter where, like, he. Basically danced his way through the entire Raptors defense, slipped it to nerland's Noels who's falling down. Noel misses the dunk. Had a great like cross court pass to RJ in the second half. RJ missed this missed a wide open three. Um, I kicked it to Obi Toppin in the corner while he was triple teamed. Like we like you, you look at the box score for Julius Randle, and it doesn't like on paper like four for nine, four for five from the line, 13, 14 and five like crummy game in thirty seven minutes. Like I don't, I don't really believe that because defenses are shifting so much attention his way right now, and he's doing exactly what you want him to do. He's like buying, like occasionally he'll force the issue. Eighty five percent of the time, he's making the right basketball play, and he's just he's not getting a lot of help.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't have anything really to add to that. I, I agree. I. I do just think that he needs to clean up the bad sequences because, you know, with how much he's relied on as a creator in this offense and granted, he came close to this in this game, but I think he needs to focus on having a two to one or better assist to turnover ratio. And, you know, he needs to work on cleaning up those turnovers and those occasional bad shots and those occasional lapses on defense, because unfortunately, as we're seeing right now, the Knicks kind of need him at 100% all the time. Uh, he can't really just like take plays off and stuff like that. And he, he tends to, you know, if you're going to take plays off, just take one off sporadically. But it seems like it always comes in like a, a wave with him where he'll suddenly take off five sequences in a row. And then you go, Julius, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like you're you're giving up like a, like a 9-0 run just by virtue of taking, you know, these like five plays off. Um, and those have been killers for the Knicks this year. Um, so I think if he cleans those up, he has, by and large, been playing a lot better even than some of the box scores indicate so far this year, uh, thanks to, as you said, all that extra attention and the overall ineptitude of some of his teammates right now. Which, speaking of that, I'll just close with this is another sort of forward-looking thing, but I feel like I don't even have to justify this that much, but I talked about inserting Obi into the starting lineup and maybe leading into – being a small ball team overall and having the sort of traditional worm protector lineup be like your backup plan, or maybe you know, you start Mitch versus like an Embiid or something like that. If you think that that's going to help you neutralize him better, but I think that at this point, they pretty much gotta. I mean, they have to sit Fournier at this point, too. You know, I, I just don't think that he's offering anything on both ends right now. He still looks so tentative on offense, and if he's not confidently pulling up and canning threes and driving into the lane and you know doing the things that he was doing early in the season to great effect he's pretty much a a full negative out there because he's not can I I throw this out there he's Reggie Bullock without the defense right now pretty much yeah like so if you don't if you don't get the offensive contributions with him you're not getting anything whereas at least with Bullock you used to get the defense Um, and the, the creation just, I feel like is not as good as advertised either that, or he's just not comfortable and not confident enough because I feel like off the bounce, he's been basically useless right now. He's not really doing anything off the bounce. Um, so, you know, I just think, I think my move, despite his struggles, and maybe this would help him break out of the struggles would be to put Emmanuel quickly in the starting lineup. Like, I just, what's the worst that could happen? You know, he doesn't respond super well. Okay, cool. Just you know, take him out eventually. Then it's not like everything is permanent here, but I think you throw quickly in the starting lineup for Fournier left Fournier play against bench units. That's one of my biggest takeaways lately. Fournier just is, he's not, he's not cutting it right now. And I know that optics wise, you know, you don't want to be benching the guy you made your highest paid free agent, second highest paid player on the team, but whatever. Optics only go so far, you know, at a certain point you have to just start trying to win basketball games and the Knicks are, approaching a very critical juncture of their season and are now two games under 500 when with how their schedule has been you know you could reasonably say if a few of these games have gone another way which maybe some better starts or some better shooting out of that starting shooting guard spot could have fixed that you know they, they could potentially be as much as like three or four games above 500 right now if a few bounces have gone a different way and a few few first quarters have gone a different way and things like that so that's my, that's my last takeaway for this. Bench Fournier, it's, you know, just the experiment's over. You know, just throw him on the bench for now. Maybe he could return there. Nothing's permanent, but that's that's my final takeaway from this. I'll throw it to you to take us home. No,
1: I'm, I'm with you. I mean, that's one of the scariest parts about this Knicks season so far, right? going to last night's game, and, and last night's game probably made it even easier. They, the Knicks have played the fifth easiest schedule in the NBA so far. So, that, that makes things tough. And and I think it's it's a sunk cost fallacy, right? Like you, you're saying, like, clearly this Fournier thing isn't working out. We have to keep hammering it home because we, we spent too much money. You've already spent the money. There, there's no there's one no spending the money at this point unless you unless you find a way to trade him. And maybe the best way to find a way to trade him is, is to highlight him in a bench role, to your point, and, and allow him to operate in a way that he's operated, like, the last few years of his career in Orlando, where when he's in, he gets to be the focal point. And I think the other benefit of that is, like, we've seen to some extent, and I think, to be clear, Alec Burks has played well. I don't know if Alec Burks has played well as a point guard because he, he just, he's not, he's not, that's not his position. And he has a lot of issues with initiating. And we talk about like, in some ways, this is like a great unifying theory of all all the Knicks issues right now. Like Julius having those sequences where things go wrong. Like, I think it's like, it's like mental fatigue and that's not a shot at Julius. Who's like a by and large, like a brilliant basketball player in terms of his ability to read the floor and make good decisions. But you're asking him to do Everything right now. And that is, it's like, even, I mean, compared to last season, I think he, he's maybe even doing a little bit more in terms of distribution without, with with playing without a point guard. Um, so IQ could take some of that load off of him, maybe make it a little bit easier for him to clean up his act. I think it would be easier for Burks to, to operate off the ball. Um, and defensively, you still get the benefit of having Burks in there. You get the benefit of having quickly over someone like Kemba. some I'm with you. I think, I think that is a fantastic suggestion and it is one we will wrap this podcast up on. So thank you so much, everyone, as always for tuning in again, if you haven't already do us a big favor, throw us a subscription on YouTube. It makes a very big difference. Uh, shout out to all the Raptors fans who made it this far. If you listened to all 40 minutes, you, you've earned yourself a mean comment, but until next time he's Alex, I'm Gavin. We'll be back soon. Peace out.